0: In confusion and uncertainty, there emerges a guiding light, a beacon that cuts through the darkness. Welcome to Beacon of Truth with your host, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Beacon of Truth. I am your host, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers, and I hope you are uh, uh, enjoying now. We're in this uh, second week of Lent, and I hope things are going well for you so far. Uh, I am still here in Mason, Ohio, at Saint Susanna Parish, just north of Cincinnati, home of the Bengals and the Reds, and uh, I've been having a wonderful time here so far. Priested all the weekend masses and started off the mission, the three-day mission last night, um, uh, and uh, going to continue. I talked to grade school students today, uh, which was great because i usually don't talk to kids that young uh this was fourth through sixth grade so 10 to 12 year olds um about how to uh called the pursuit of happiness so how do they find true happiness in life and my um my talk to them was focusing on the fact that you really can't have happiness in life until you first have joy so we talked about how you find the joy so that So that you can have happiness in your life, and that joy, of course, of course, must be focused and centered on the Lord. Uh, Once you have a a deep, intimate, personal relationship with the Lord, uh, your will is in communion with God's will. Um, That will give you the joy that will lead to a life of happiness. A life of happiness, although having joy doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be happy, because following God's will doesn't always mean um, you're going to be happy, um, but you will always be joyful. so I think, for example, of the martyrs right uh, um, obviously they weren't happy, but they were joyful because they were in fact, we see some of the um uh, s- some of the stories and the testimonies of people who saw the martyrs um, being executed for their faith. They were praying and some were singing, and there was a uh, a joy there, a deep joy, inner joy. Because they know they're participating in the suffering of Christ. Like literally. <laughs> suffering uh, with Christ. Uh, giving their life. Um, so so that's the kind of joy. I was trying to share with them today. That joy doesn't come from possessions. It doesn't come from. Wanting material things. It doesn't come from accolades that you receive. From your friends. It doesn't come from social likes on social media. It doesn't come from any of that. That joy that. We have in our life comes from God, and I told them how, even though I guess in their eyes I'm old, (laughs) but uh, how uh, the only thing I have in my life now that I have that I uh, still have when I was their age was that joy of the Lord, that relationship with Christ, and that's what they should focus on for the rest of their life because that's was, you know, as as they discover what why the why they were put on this earth, the reason why God has them here. Um, There's a purpose that that, um, only they can fulfill, that God has a plan just for them. No one else that's ever been created has the plan that God has for them. And how finding joy in the Lord helps them to discover the meaning and purpose of their lives, the reason why they were born at this time, why they're going to this particular school, um, why they're experiencing the things they are in their life right now, because God has a plan for them. And it's gonna be exciting to see how that plan unfolds uh in their life. You know, so I let's try to, you know, give them a little something uh today to uh so they can leave their thinking about how important it is to maintain that relationship with Christ, um, especially in a cult that's trying to um separate us from God's love and separate us from God's life by trying to convince us that God is not real or faith is uh just a crutch to get through life no uh (laughs) it's not just about what we do it's who we are it's our identity as sons and daughters of the living god you know brothers and sisters of 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 christ um that that is the root of our of our identity so today on the show where you know I, i thought you know this week would be great to dive into some uh lenten themes and so today we're going to talk about purgatory. What is purgatory? Uh, is purgatory biblical? Oh, so we're going to go through a ton of scriptures today. And uh, how do they work in the life of the church? If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call. 833-288-3986 or email beacon at EWTN.com. And as usual, the show is able to uh, run as smoothly as it does because of our great show team. We have Matt Kabinsky, our call screener, our social media guru, Charles Beery, and the producer, Ace McKay. Ace is in the place. How you doing?
1: I'm good, man. I I love as you're talking to teens that you're getting them comfortable in their own skin based on how God identifies them because I have teens at home and still trying to embed that into them, you know, let Christ identify you, don't let the amount of follows and likes and, you know, whatever, you know, based on a picture you posted, you know, dictate who you are or i even i even heard this morning there's a new trend um where teens when they do like family photos like hey kids let's get let's get a photo and post that they cover their face it's like nose cover is like the tentative term and they do it so that people can't make fun of them on social media like that has become a thing among teens and I, that that hurts my, like my kids haven't done it yet praise the lord but if nothing else like I I, I want to open that door of saying why like what wh- why have we allowed and I guess it was always that way I mean I guess in peer pressure we just didn't have social media to immediately bully us in that instant.
0: You mean covering their whole face or yeah. just their mouth or
1: yeah so like they cover their nose and their mouth so that all they see is just like a, a I guess a Batmanish kind of you know. part So it's of like their they portrait. have a mask on. Yeah, it's a oh way to cover goodness. up. Why would you so- do that? I, I, I guess they, uh, it's, they're, 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 it's either a smile thing or a nose smile or a profile. Like, I mean, I even heard my daughter say the other day, she's like, "This is my good side." I'm like, "Both sides are your good side." Stop that. <laughs> like, like, but but it's that it's that it's it's the way they see themselves now that carries on. I mean, I I didn't get comfortable in my own skin until way later than I should have. But that's my main thing is as they lean on God and what their identity is in Him. Like, see yourself for the way he sees you, not for the way that your friends want to, hey, you know, nice cheekbones. I mean, whatever. I, I, I don't know what kids would make fun of, but I, I guess social media has made it worse.
0: Okay. So it's the facial expression. It's not so much that they're taking pictures with their family. Right. Like, oh, I'm embarrassed to take pictures of my family. Cause, you right. know, it was like, Okay. All right. Because uh, I know the devil's trying to attack the family. Absolutely. You know, he's, he's trying to separate uh relationship with God, and he does that by trying to destroy the family. So I thought— it was a thing. Cover my face so that my friends can't see that I, you know, I'm so ashamed to be at my family right now. But but it's more of a of a uh, personal thing.
1: Like, yeah, it's it's how okay. they see themselves, which yeah that's, again yeah hurts me. Yeah,
0: yeah we got to We got to get our kids back into the Word of God. You know, last line of Genesis chapter two, the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. So they're looking at each other, um, you know, in their birthday suits. And they're not ashamed or embarrassed with each other. Why? Because they're looking at each other through God's eyes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're seeing each other the way God sees them, and that's the way we need to look at each other. Yeah. You know. So I mean, I, I look. I, I am mean, well. I guess I'm adult and, and have experience, but I don't care what anybody thinks about me about what I look like. Yeah. You know. I. So you don't like me, so what? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna waste all that the little time we have here on Earth, wasting that energy hating. Yeah. Or worrying about someone else instead of worrying about yourself, I ain't got time for that.
1: <laughs> well, and, and I, I don't know if that's a Gen X thing because I'm the same way. Like it's like, oh, this this, is, and probably the older I get, the more I'm set in my ways. So I'm less likely to change, especially at someone else's opinion other than God.
0: Yeah, see, that's the thing. The only the only opinion that that really matters is is God's opinion. In, in my book, so yeah, hear you. So what you've been listening to? You sent me. Uh, a a link earlier today
1: i did so i a friend of mine big blues guy turned me on to jj gray at the jj gray band they just released a new album and apparently they've been around for a while and i'm just now hearing about them for the first time but it's like a very chilled but yet there's funky styles within the album like i i don't know i found myself listening to the whole thing yesterday i was like i gotta send this to deacon and see if he's digging it and then i also sent you the link for the boss radio which hopefully you'll get some time because you like you like a lot of guitar rock so take you back and again not judging each other based on our appearance but based on our musical choices right yeah that's right
0: that's right (laughs) i was just uh listening some kingfish uh, All right. Over the over the weekend, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the interview. He was going through his uh, the guitars that he uses and the uh, the effects pedals, which is modest. I mean, right. he's like has four <sighs> pedals or something like that. It's just very uh, very modest setup. But uh, man, he's really he's really something. A uh, guy can really play. Really great feel.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, one yeah. of a kind.
0: Yeah, I tell you, I, I, that's why I love when when you see people using the gifts that god has given them you know it's yeah. such a beautiful way
1: play to your strengths i say
0: yeah amen amen well when we come back we're going to take dive into the psalms and if you want to be part of the show today give us a call 833-288-3986 or email us beacon at ewtn.com that vibe, man. That's that's some good stuff right there.
1: That's the chill for a Monday. No yeah. matter what
0: kind of day you had, like, <laughs> I need to lay back. That's I got right. four more
1: days in front of me.
0: <laughs> Amen. You're listening to Beacon of Truth. I'm your host, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers, and today's topic is purgatory. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call, 833-288-3986, or email us, beacon- at EWTN.com.
1: I want to let you know that uh, while you're going through Lent, having any of the Eucharistic mysteries that come along with your journey, deepening your walk with God, you can find out more about this free e-booklet, The 12 Stations of the Most High Eucharist, available at EWTN.com slash Catholicism. When you get some time again, EWTN.com slash Catholicism today.
0: All right, well, when you hear that music, you know what it's time for. It's time for the Psalms. And today we're going to look at Psalm 66, verses 1 through 12. Now, we previously we looked at verses 13 through 20. Uh, today we're going to look at the first 12 verses of Psalm 66. Um, so Psalm 66 is in Book 2 of the Psalms, and, it, uh, and it's a psalm that's attributed to uh, David. Uh, So in book two, David wrote Psalms 151, uh, sorry, 51 to 72 in in book two of the Psalms. Um, And so it starts off that the prescript, which is verse one, for the choir master, a song, a psalm. Hmm, Very simple. Then it says, cry out with joy to God, all the earth. Oh, sing to the glory of his name. Render him glorious praise, say to God, how awesome your deeds! <laughs> I love that I, I just love it. Just comes right out the box, just praising God, you know, cry out to God, all the earth and and how does the earth cry out to God? You know, like when the the whales do their whale calls, that's a cry out to God, when the birds chirp. When the, when the plants grow, when the bees buzz, and when, when nature does what it's intended to do uh, through God's creative hand, uh, that they're crying out to joy. They're praising the Lord by, by fully being who God created them to be and singing to his name. How awesome your deeds. I love that. You know, because there is a song, right? Our God is an awesome God. Right? I, I love the wording there. Because of the greatness of your strength, Your enemies fawn upon you, because before you all the earth shall bow down, shall sing to you, sing to your name, all right, so the, uh, because the the greatness of the Lord's strength, the enemies even will capitulate, they they will eventually come to honor the Lord, and before you all the earth shall bow down, again, and rejoice in the Lord, I love that, come and see the works of God, verse 5 says. Awesome, his deeds among the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. Right, so come and see the works of the Lord. So I I I think about Eucharistic miracles, for example. You want to see the works of God, Uh, especially those who are unbelievers. What about Eucharistic miracles? You know, um, I, I love that and awesome his deeds among the children of men. And this is why we have to share our experience of, experiences of encountering Christ, encountering the living God, how he has, has moved in our lives, how we bear witness to what God has done in our life when we have given ourselves over completely to him. That's something we can't keep to ourselves. You know? So we have to, we have to tell people about what God has done for us. And 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 here in verse six, it recounts uh, from Scripture what ha, what the great things God has done for the people of Israel. He turned to sea in the dry land; they passed through the river on foot. Of course, um, harkening uh, back to Exodus, you know, when they, and the crossing of the Red Sea. Then it continues. Let our joy then be in Him. Right there's that word joy. So again, as I was saying uh, earlier, I was talking to a grade school kid today at Saint Susanna. Uh, Catholic school here in Mason, Ohio. I was talking about uh, the pursuit of happiness and how you have to have joy first in order to really have a life of happiness. So it it emphasizes that here. Let our joy, the joy that comes from a deep, intimate, personal relationship with God, let our joy then be in Him. Not in the things of this world, not in material possessions, but in God. He rules forever forever. By his might, all the rules that govern the universe, all the rules that governs the law of physics and science come from God. So, so uh, faith and science are not opposed to each other, as some people would want us to believe. His eyes keep watch on the nations. Let rebels not exalt themselves, right? So, uh, you know, we, we say in our Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God, you know, uh, even though you know, many people are not living <laughs> like God even exists right. today, or like God even matters, but uh, but we say it in our in our pledge of allegiance, and it's, and it's emphasized here. Um, God is, a, is should be watchful over the nations that we should align ourselves with the with the the natural moral law, that the laws that we enact, these positive human laws, are an extension of God's natural law. where We truly respect the dignity and the rights of every single human being from the moment of conception until natural death
1: yeah and i love this too because it's a reminder to be thankful in our prayers for what he's done and doing but then it's a reminder to shout those praises to tell people hey let me tell you what god's doing or when people go how did you get that how did that happen that was the lord like to be able to just know that that's him interceding and working on our behalf
0: yes amen before we continue i just want to uh, mention here, uh, uh, Steve from California called in and asked what translation of the Bible I'm using. So for uh, the scriptures, I typically use the uh, Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition, but for the Psalms, I'm using the Revised Grail Psalms, the Revised Grail Psalm translations, which is not part of the RSVCE. And again, I'm using this particular version because it's uh, a little more faithful to the Hebrew um, than the than the the version the RSVCE so that's why I'm using this one. Uh, so the psalm continues in verse eight. O peoples, bless our God; let the voice of His praise resound. And I love this of the God who gave life to our souls and kept our feet from stumbling. You know, sometimes we can feel so self reliant uh, that everything's about me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that I'm the one that, that's the, the, the center and meaning of all existence, uh, that my success is due to my efforts. It's all about, again, the the, the God of me, myself, and I in the culture. No, it's the, the, the reminder that God that's gave life to our souls. He's the one that kept my feet from stumbling. Uh, so when I found the ways of the Lord and recognized that he is the heart and center of my life, then he will keep me on that path. Sometimes it's you know, we say God draws straight with crooked lines. (laughs) Because sometimes we take these diversions in our life. But we will always stay on the path of righteousness if we remember that it is God that is the heart and center of our being. It is he who gives life to our souls. It is he who gives meaning and purpose to our lives when we align ourselves with his holy will. Verse 10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver, is tried, of course, you know we're 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 tested by God in our lives. look, Jesus before he began his public ministry, he was tested by by Satan in the desert. you know so so uh God went through that to sh- to show us that look, we are all going to be tempted. we are all going to be tempted to to move away from God's love. There're going to be distractions that come into our lives that are going to try and make us the center instead of God as the center, you know, uh, to move us away from his love. And so, yes, we're going to be tested. There, you know, look, there's some marriages that are tested. You know, marriage is a beautiful thing, but it's also the cross. Let's be real. It's a beautiful thing, but it, but it takes work. It really does take work for from both uh, husband and wife, both spouses to make the relationship um, uh, to work. And it's worth it. <laughs> very much worth it also relationship with the kids are going to be tested sometimes uh taking care of a sick parent is, is going to be a test as well um you have tried us as, as silver is tried so what do you mean by silver is tried so when they bring an ore out of the ground that ore has to be purified right so you just don't take a piece of silver out of the ground and just manufacture it you have to remove the impurities from it, so that that silver is pure as possible, which is, you know, which is why I picked this particular song because we're going to talk about purgatory, uh, in, in the next segment, which is that same kind of thing: removing that slag, removing those last vestiges of us holding on to the things of this world, so we can give ourselves totally complete. Not even the desire to sin can exist before God. Um, and so I, I love this part of the psalm where we're, 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 um, where we're removing, just like Silver's trying removing those impurities from our lives.
1: Wouldn't you say, though, too, have you had those moments when even your strengths of what draws you to God can also be a distraction? When you let those things take over like, oh, well, this is happening because I'm anointed by the Lord. And then ego takes over, right? So the thing that he's blessed you with can suddenly also be that stumbling block.
0: Well, that's where Job comes in.
1: You know? Yeah.
0: You know, uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right. So no matter what is going on, you have to you have to honor and glorify God. Hmm. And recognize, okay, in this time of blessing, it's nothing that I did, it's nothing that I deserve. This is something that's a gift from God that maybe we need that encouragement. Yeah. We, we need that special lift by the Lord, that little lift by the Spirit to continue to go forward so that his will could be accomplished in in, uh, in the world through us and through how he has called us to do that. So, yeah, we, we, the ego has to get out of the way. There has to be nothing there but Jesus.
1: We need that a bumper sticker. Get out of God's way.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, and, and, again, it continues this theme in verse 11. You have led us, God, into the snare. You have laid a heavy burden on our backs, right? And, and, and what's that reminder of? The cross. Jesus took the burden of our sins symbolized on the cross on his back and he carried that up the hill and sometimes we feel like that in our life that we are burdened with something uh, and, and we're carrying that burden up the hill of our lives and uh, but God is always with us remember even Jesus needed to help carrying his cross so we need to ask God in those moments to have him come in and help us to bear that cross as well then finally in verse 12 you let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. So, again, carrying this theme, you know, you brought us through this time of fire. We feel like burning, time through water, we feel like drowning. But then you brought us to a place of plenty. Ah. See, the suffering is not the end, right? Uh, death is not the end. There's more to life than what this culture says it's just uh, uh nothing you just we just live life and just die so maximize pleasure minimize pain and then die no there's a place of plenty and that's called heaven so when we come back we're going to dive into the church's teaching on purgatory when we part of the program give us a call 833-288-3986 or email beacon at ew10.com want to dance (laughs) yeah (laughs) Ah, a little little swinging a little bit here that's it yeah all
1: right want to go for a malt shake (laughs) yeah slick my hair back
0: oh awesome well you're listening to the beacon of truth again the best bumper music in the business Uh, with your host Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers and our crack show team Charles Berry our social media expert Our call screener, Matt Gabinski, and our producer, Ace McKay, Ace in the Place, bringing us that uh, awesome bumper music.
1: Thank you. Of course, we want to say congratulations going out to another one of the EWTN Radio family members. Uh, Catholic Radio Indy is celebrating 20 years with us this week and serving Indianapolis as well as Central Indiana with five FM stations. So congratulations to Gordon Smith and his team at Catholic Radio Indy from your friends at EWTN.
0: All right. Well, congratulations. I always love hearing how members of the EW10 uh, family continue to grow and celebrate um, you know, their anniversaries and, uh, and still being on the air, bringing people Jesus. <laughs> I love that. Amen. Uh, thank you. All right. Well, let's dive in. Today we're talking about uh, the church's te- teaching on purgatory. Because we say in the creed, I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Right? That's the last thing we say in, in the creed. The resurrection of the dead, life of the world to come. And that comes from Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have grown in union with him through a death like his, we shall also be united with him in the resurrection. Right? So what is, what is this doctrine of purgatory? It says, it says that all who die in God's grace and friendship, right, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. But after death, they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. All right, so that, okay, that may raise a question. If Christ's work on the cross is all sufficient, then why don't I go straight to heaven after I die, right? I mean, if if Christ accomplished uh, uh, all his work on the cross, if there's nothing more that, has, that Christ has to do because he died on the cross, then why don't I just go straight to heaven? So I want to uh, dive into this by giving an example from 2 Samuel cha- uh, chapter, uh, chapters 11 and 12. So I'm not going to get the whole thing, but you're all familiar with this one. This is David and Bathsheba. So David sees Bathsheba bathing. He finds out that she's married. Besides that, he, he has an extramarital affair with her, gets her pregnant. And then uh, plots to kill her husband Uriah. and after Uriah is dead, the prophet Nathan says that God will punish David. And what does David do? David repents. Right? So God's prophet, God's instrument, Nathan, tells David that God has forgiven his sin and that he will not die. But hold on. Second Kings, chapter one, is the death of David. You know, when David's time to die drew near, it starts off. So David is going to die. In fact, we all going to die. So what do they mean by when, when the prophet Nathan says, you will not die? Remember the word in Hebrew for death is mavet. It, does, it doesn't mean just physical death. It means to cut yourself off from the life of God. So because David had repented from the very serious mortal sin, that he committed both adultery and murder, God will forgive him. But the child that will be born to Bathsheba will die. See, so even though God has forgiven the sin, there is still a temporal effect or a temporal punishment of that sin. And that is what has to be purged in purgatory that temporal punishment to do sin, those last attachments to those things. Why? Even though God forgives our sin in confession and restores sanctifying grace, which is the grace we need to get to heaven, our sins affect the lives of others. The temporal punishment of sin still remains. So the sacrament of reconciliation restores sanctifying grace in the case of mortal or deadly sin, again, which is the the benchmark is violation of the one of the Ten Commandments, and increases sanctifying grace when we confess venial sins, uh, and where does this teaching come from? this mortal sin and venial sin because sometimes you know our our, our uh, Protestant brothers and sisters will you know give us a hard time because you know they, they say you, you guys like to put things in categories. The Bible says all wrongdoing is sin. you Catholics have this kind of sin and that kind of sin and mortal sin and venial sin, and that's not what the word of God says. Oh, hold on, first John. Chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. If anyone sees his brother committing what is not a mortal sin, and the word there for mortal in Greek is thanatos, is is the word in the Septuagint in the Greek Old Testament for death, so it's a, a parallel to mavet in Hebrew. What is not a mortal sin, he will ask, and God will give him life for those whose sin is not mortal. There is sin which is mortal. I do not say one is to pray for that. Here we go. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin which is not mortal. So there it is. It is the Word of God. It is the Bible. It is St. John who makes a distinction. Yes, all wrongdoing is sin, but makes a distinction between sin which is deadly, which we call mortal sin, and sin which is not deadly which we just simply call venial sin, right? So the life of grace. So grace, of course, is the free and undeserved help that God gives to us to respond to his call to participate in his divine life. So that, that's a, a, a reminder of me of um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, which says we are partakers in the divine nature. We share in God's life. And it's grace that comes from God, free, undeserved help that when we respond yes to God's invitation to love and life. We say yes and open ourselves to that grace. We share in the God's divine life, and if we live in according with with that grace uh till we die, then uh we will share life with God forever in heaven. Cuz it, ultimately it's a participation in the life of God. So we have sanctifying grace which is the grace we received in baptism and that's restored in the Sacrament of Reconciliation after committing a mortal sin. Because once you commit a mortal sin you have lost sanctifying grace. That's restored in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And we also see receive sacramental grace which are the graces um, proper to the different sacraments that enable us to cooperate in the salvation of others and the growth of the body of Christ. So beautiful the church is teaching there.
1: Well, have you seen and I know I've heard it from time to time from people who talk about God's grace but they don't seem to give grace to themselves. Like there's there's this level of disconnect. Like we we preach grace to other people but somehow there's a disconnect in our hearts. Is that you think that's the callousness to grace or like I'd love your take on that based on what you see as you you know do your speakings.
0: No, I think what's going on here, um, Ace, is that people, look, the hardest person often to forgive when there's sin involved is yourself. Mm-hmm. So some people see themselves, oh, gosh, I'm just such a bad sinner that God's grace can't even help me right now. You know, I, I feel so bad that I made that decision to end the life of that baby. Uh, and Back then, I didn't know. I mean, I fell for the, I fell for the lies of the coach, but now I realize the, the, the errors of my ways, I, I, and even after seeking reconciliation with the church through the sacrament of reconciliation, they still feel guilty, yeah. you know, and, and so it's, it's the inability to forgive yourself, and, and, you, and even though you've gone to reconciliation, you've made things right with God, you still feel inadequate, you still feel, and it's quote-unquote dirty, in a sense you don't feel that you're being touched by god's grace because you're still feeling the heaviness and the weight and the burden and the guilt of the sin but that's the beauty of christ's sacrifice on the cross his sacrifice on the cross should give us hope that's why for us as catholics the crucifix is a sign of hope Hmm. that yes that we can endure all these different things yes that we sin, but god took our sins on the cross. He is the Agnus Dei Quitoli Bicata Mundi. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's nothing we can ever do. There's no sin too great. There's no hurt too deep that cannot be forgiven by the endless mercy and awesome uh, 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 the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what we cannot forget so we have sanctifying grace we have sacramental grace and god gives us to that as a gift Mm. that enables us to cooperate uh with his love so that we can have life with him forever so that's what i would say there ace
1: well and but i've heard people even say well you know well you know what i did that that's my cross to bear like i had that that's my punishment i have to carry that with me the rest of my life i've heard that more times than well
0: look well here's the thing ace Christ carried His cross and died on that cross, and it was over. Amen. <laughs> you know, it, it, He did. He didn't do it for the rest of His life. Yeah. You know, again, th- again, that's because of the weight and the burden and the heaviness and the guilt that we f- that we felt uh, because of what we did. You know, and 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 we're and we're embarrassed or ashamed that people might find out what we did or people know what we did and they look at me funny and you know they don't treat me the same anymore because of what I did. Uh, And and that's why God's grace is so incredibly important. Um, God's grace looks past human weakness, you know, Uh, and what we need to do, you know, we we need to participate in that, uh, Ace, in the sense that we need to be vehicles of mercy in the life of those of our brothers and sisters who are still being held back in a sense uh, by the guilt of their sin, by the burden and weight of their sin. we Need to become vehicles of divine mercy in the life of others that that uh, and to in uh, and, and sense share in those burdens with them, so in the case of my dad, for example, um one of the things I did was I asked my dad uh to forgive me for hating him mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and, and so uh and he and he said yes now so wait a minute you know if you if you know the story of my family and my dad, you know that um, you know, he was the one who caused all the issues. It wasn't anything that I did. Yeah. So why am I asking him for forgiveness? Well, I'm asking him to forgive me for the hatred I held in my heart for him. That's on me. Yeah. Right? So, so by doing that, I'm becoming a vehicle of mercy in that other person's life. And that's why the divine mercy image is so powerful. The rays are coming out of the heart of Jesus into the world. And we need to be that for those others who are still bearing the heaviness and the guilt. For example, again, a woman who may have had an abortion or a a man who participated in that, you know, uh, and once they realize the heaviness, some people are even ashamed to come back to church. We need to extend God's love and mercy to them and welcome them back to the life of faith with open arms. And that's going to break down the barriers of the heaviness and the guilt that they feel when they feel the loving embrace of Jesus Christ in the, the, our, his, their brothers and
1: sisters yeah. who
0: share in the intimacy of the divine life with God.
1: But with that, that brings up a great point. Ta- you know, ha- Owning our stuff, not letting our character be compromised because someone else has a lack thereof, but also we tend, because I, I know I'm guilty of this, and I've I heard it more times than not, of that we think God's grace comes at us like it's a visible thing when the people who know of our past forgive us and, and or see us in a different light, when winning them over is not the ultimate. It's getting back in rightness with God that is the be-all, where those people may be out there forever being the haters of the world, but he puts new people around us that see the transformed version of us that we can speak in to have empathy in those moments
0: right, and we 've all seen this right in in courtrooms where uh, 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 parents have lost, and I just saw this actually in Australia, um, there was a family that was uh, was out for a walk, and this drunk driver uh swerved his car and, and and plowed into this family and killed two of the children Yeah. you know and and, uh, and, and the parents of the of the uh, and I actually met them the last time I was there in Australia. They, they reached out and forgave the man that, that took the life of their children, forgave him, like from the heart. Mm. You know, imagine the, the guilt that that guy was bearing and the heaviness and the hatred he felt from everyone else around him about what he did. And he was wrong, no, no question or doubt about it. But to, to, to that family was a vehicle of mercy in his life. And it's by being that vehicle of mercy that may help bring a soul back from the brink bring a soul back from despair and back into the life of grace with God. That's what we're talking about here.
1: Yeah. It's good stuff.
0: Yeah. So to continue about purgatory, so we have the the two effects of sin from the garden. It's the, the eternal punishment of sin, which makes us incapable of eternal life, but also the temporal punishment of sin, which is the result of the unhealthy attachment to those things that separate us from God's love. So obviously Christ's death on the cross remitted all of it, right? Remitted, remitted all sin. Uh, but when we do sin and we sin mortally, we go to the sacrament of reconciliation and the eternal punishment of sin is remitted. Uh, and we have the sanctifying grace that we need. But the, that unhealthy, because why? We still sin again, don't we? We go to confession, but yet we have to go back again and again and again because we keep sinning. So what has to be purified either here on earth through indulgences, which we're going to talk about tomorrow, or after death is purgatory because that uh, unhealthy attachment to things that separate us from God's love, even after we have received forgiveness from mortal sin, uh, that attachment, that desire to separate ourselves from God is still there. That cannot exist in heaven, and that's what needs to be purified. So purgatory is the final purification of all of those elect. The book of Revelation says all those whose names are written in the book of life. And scripture uh, describes it as a cleansing fire. You know, um, as purification, like I said, like we read in Psalm 66, where the silver is purified in the fire or gold is tested by fire. All the purifications that was, was called the slag, all the muck, is pulled out that all that's left is the purity of the silver or the purity of the gold and that is what's pure in a sense that those last vestiges are purified are pulled out of us in a sense out of purgatory so that all that's left is our purity before god right and and, and that's that's basic that the church's basic teaching on that um uh, there's also this is also based on the teaching of the practice of prayer for the dead. We see this in 2 Maccabees, chapter 12. And this is why, again, uh, why our Protestant brothers and sisters who love the Word of God, um, you know, Maccabees is not part of their canon of Scripture. Right? So we have 46 books in the Old Testament. They have 39. So Judas, Tobit, Wisdom, Sirach, Baruch, 1 and 2 Maccabees, and part of the Book of Daniel, part of the Book of Ezra, are not included in the Protestant canon in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and, but for us, Maccabees, remember that story? There, there was a battle, and Judas um, and Maccabeus and his men uh, were fighting, and just like the, the Marines, no man left behind. They went back uh, to, to bring back the bodies of, of their fallen brothers that fell in the war, and in, inside the tunic of all the dead, their dead brothers, they found these, um, these sacred tokens or, or idols of Jamnia. Which the law forbid them to wear, because you're supposed to trust God, not trinkets, not like it'd be, it'd be like a um, like a rabbit's foot, or some kind of lucky charm, or something like that. And those were, and all the men that died were found to have that lucky charm on their bodies. And so what they did was they took up a collection from the rest of the men, and, and, and they sent it to Jerusalem to provide a sin offering. It's the Word of God says, In doing this, he acted very well and honorably, taking account of the resurrection. For if he were not expecting that those who had fallen would rise again, it would have been superfluous and foolish to pray for the dead. See? Therefore he made atonement for the dead, that they might be delivered from their sin. All right, So we see a strong biblical foundation and basis for the church's teaching here. Now this teaching on purgatory goes all the way back to the early church. This was not something that was developed uh, later in church. We, even St. Augustine in his um, uh, in City of God in uh, chapter 25 uh, talks about purgatory. In fact, he, he cites verses like, um, uh, that we would normally not uh, cite like Isaiah chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem. When the Lord should have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from the midst of the spirit of judgment by a spirit of burning. So here we go again, that that purification by fire. St. Augustine used that. In City of God is a proof text, uh, one of the uh, biblical proof texts for purgatory. Also, Origen, Saint Irenaeus, Saint Ambrose, Saint Jerome, all use Malachi three verse three, where it says, "He will sit as a refiner and a purifier, a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, till they present right offerings to the Lord." Again this idea of our souls and our spirits being purified so we can be the a, a beautiful offering before the Lord.
1: Well, and I know for many of us maybe, I know for me as a kid growing up in the Baptist church, we were always taught, you know, you accept Christ into your life and then when you stand before him on the day of judgment, if he knows your name and it's written in the book of life, then you will enter into heaven. So you talk about the books that are not in the Protestant Bible. I mean, that's one of those moments where... I think that's where a big question for a lot of people is, where where does it fall in the midst of that when you're taught that you just have to, you know, accept him and then you get to stand before him and he reads your name and goes, I knew you, and then you come into heaven.
0: Yeah, see, and that's why we use both Old Testament and New Testament verses, uh, to, to show the teaching on purgatory. I use some of these because I wanted to make the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, where the church gets the fullness of its teaching on this issue, and where the church fathers also pulled from yeah. both these Old Testament and New Testament sources. So, for example, a New Testament source would be like Matthew five twenty five and twenty six. Um, he says, uh, where Jesus says, "Make friends quickly with your accuser while you are going with them to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison." Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny, right? Mm -hmm. So we consider uh, 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 purgatory like the prison. And that purification process, and when we've paid that last penny, when we've, we've removed the last vestiges of attachments to the things of this world, then we'll be worthy to stand before the Lord in heaven. Now remember, if you're in purgatory, you're going to heaven. It's not a matter of am I going to make it? No, right. you are going to heaven. You know how, how a little kid described it once. He said it's like when you before you go into the house, you have to wipe your feet on the mat before mm-hmm. you go in, mm-hmm. right? right. <laughs> I mean, you're going to go in the house. You're going in, yeah. But you have to wipe your feet to get the the last of that dirt off, so you don't track dirt in the house. And I said, hey, that's <laughs> for, for, for a little kid. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, but that's that's the idea here. It's not that you're not going to go to heaven. Remember. Everything we're talking about purgatory is all because of the merits of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is not an extra biblical doctrine. This is not something that the Catholic Church made up. This is, and we we say this clearly, this is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So Tertullian, in that verse I just uh, described from Matthew, um, talks about the idea of purgatorial suffering. Uh, and, and the idea of, um, uh, you know, paying for the last penny. This is one of the verses that he used. Another one is First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which is, through, which is though perishable, is tested by fire, may redound to the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right, So again, this idea of purification through fire. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verses 11 to 15. Uh, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's very clear to what I just said, that everything is founded on Jesus Christ, and all the merits come from what he did for us on the cross. But Paul continues now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If the work any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So, I, look, look, you see that you see the common theme here, over and over again. Now, people will say, "Well, look, the word purgatory is not in the Bible." Okay, the word Bible is not in the Bible. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. All right, but again, but we, we, we look at these verses and we and we see them all together. We don't just like one in isolation. When you look at the Old Testament, when you look at the New Testament. You look at the, the idea of, of our works have to, you know, uh, are, are going to be tested by God and, and whatever is not of God is burned up. Then we make ourselves worthy sacrifices and offerings to God. That is the foundation for the church's teaching on purgatory. So our show topic tomorrow is indulgences. Oh, that's going to be fun. I can't wait for that. I <laughs> uh, hope we get some uh, good questions on that. Now, remember, you can stream today's show by visiting Podcast Central at ew10.com slash radio and may almighty god bless you the father and the son and the holy spirit amen god bless you